So we have been working our way through the book of Ephesians on Sunday morning. And um, as we, we do that, we, uh, Paul's, uh, as we've said before, that Paul had gone to the town of Ephesus. And I want to put the map up just, just real quick, if I can, just to remind us that, that Ephesus is in what was called Asia in those days. And today we would say it's modern day Turkey. And it's, it's about 500 miles or so from Jerusalem, which would have been the epicenter of the, the Jewish worship. Now, the reason I highlight that is that this is so far from Israel that the people there were predominantly from a pagan Gentile background. And so that's gonna be important for our study today as uh, we, we get into this. And uh, so Paul was there for three years he begins teaching, and as he begins teaching, the church continues to grow, and after three years, he leaves, he gets arrested, he's taken to Rome, and about five years after he leaves, he writes this letter back to the church in Ephesus that we've been going through. So as he does this, and today you just need to know, this is kind of like an old school Bible study, so I know I'm gonna throw a lot at you, sorry for that, but um, I'm, we'll, we'll get through it, and I think you'll find it at least interesting. But as he writes to these people, keep in mind that they had come from a very pagan background. So serving the God of the Bible, uh, they, they knew the Lord, they loved the Lord, but, but he, Paul wants to make sure that they really understand what it is that they have in Christ. So he begins to write and he says some things that would be very foreign uh, to them as far as their, their pagan background. So let me just hop, skip, and jump a couple of times through uh, chapter one, kind of sets up where we're going. But he, he writes to them, and in verse three, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And uh, I know um, in my translation, it has the word blessing or blessed three times in that verse. Some of your Bibles only have it twice, but it's actually there three times in the uh, original manuscripts. So many people hold that the theme of this book is God wants to bless his people, which would be very different than the pagan gods where you're always trying to appease that God. This God that Paul talked about wanted to bless his people. And then down in verse seven, it talked about how in him we have redemption. That is, he purchased us back through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And as we've said, this would be very different than the pagan gods. See, the pagan gods, you had to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice, and you had to pay and you had to pray in hopes that maybe, just maybe, they might grant your request, your prayer. So you had to do a great deal of sacrificing. The, the God that Paul talked about, it's not that you sacrifice to him, it's that he came and sacrificed himself to purchase you back to him. So you belong to him, you belong to God. So it'd be very foreign in their, their, their minds. Now they understood this, so Paul's more reminding them of what they'd already been told. But then in verse seven, the last part, it talks about how according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. And as we've said before, this would be very foreign to them because the gods that they served, if you messed up, you just knew. It was an earthquake, it was a tidal wave, it was lightning, something was going to happen because you, you were just, you always wanted to appease them. Where this God that Paul talks about, he purchases you back so that you belong to him and he decided knowing everything you would ever do that when you did stuff that was 
less than who it is you wanted to be in keeping with who we're called to be, God said, I'll just lavish you with grace. So it wasn't a lightning bolt or something like that. So again, this was very foreign to them. So Paul lays all of this out. And then he says, you know, I've given you a lot to think about. He says, so let me just stop right here and and let me pray for you. And so we went through that prayer, which he ended chapter one with. So I want to just hop to skip and jump and highlight a few things. If you go to verse 16, it says, so I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And so this is a prayer that goes all the way through the end of the chapter. And so in verse 18, it says, he says, and here's what he's praying. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And so he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. Things I've just told you about God's grace and his blessing and his purchase in you. He says, I I want that enlightened in your heart. I want the lights in your heart to go on that you really get this. So what I want you to write down is that the theme of this prayer, the first prayer, is going to emphasize enlightenment. Paul says, you really need to get this. Really need to get this. And then we went through... And in verse 18, I put verse 18 on your outline because we looked at that verse a couple of different ways. But if you take it from, say, the message, which is a paraphrase, they take it from the angle and they say, so that you can see exactly what it is that he's calling you to do. And so when we were there, we talked about how part of this is that God has a personal calling for each and every one of us. I believe that God has a calling for churches, And God has a calling for each and every one of us. We weren't saved uh, randomly. There's something that God wants to do in us and through us. Now, because of that calling that God has for us, Paul would then pray after that in verse 19. I put that on your outline also. He talked about his incomparably great power for us who believe. So he wants us to know that there is a power that is available to us that, so that you and I can live out what it is that he's called us to do. He doesn't say, Here, here's a calling, but he says, I, I've called you to something and I'm gonna give you all the power and resources that you need to accomplish that great purpose in your life. I, I've shared with you that in my church background, and let me just say again, I have the best church background ever. Uh, weird and wacky at times, but it was awesome. But in my church background, when we talked about the power, that was just something, you know, it's some, it's some of those things you say. You don't really believe it. And, you know, we were nice people. We went to church. We were honest. We had great fellowship. But there really wasn't like a, a power. And, and uh, so um, this, this would be foreign to us. But God says there's this power that I want you to have. Well, that was the first prayer. And there's two prayers. And we're going to come to the second one in just a moment. So we went to chapter two. Now, chapter two. Paul goes all the way through. And then at the end of chapter two, in verse 19, he gives a conclusion and then he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens and with the saints and are of God's household. You're of God's household. Now, he says, you're a citizen. You have full rights in God's kingdom, just like anybody else has. And he says, and now you're part of God's household. You're, you're God's child. You're part of his family. When you understand that you're his child, you'll relate to him uh, very differently when you're a child of God. So Paul drives that point home. Now, being part of God's family is actually important for our study today. So we went through the first part of chapter three last week, and then we came to, um, at the end of that, 
there's another prayer. Now this prayer that Paul is going to pray, the first prayer in chapter one was for enlightenment, but this prayer that he's going to pray is, is going to be for empowerment, empowerment. So you wanna write that down. So what, you know, what do we do with this? What do we do with this, this prayer? Now another thing just for fun, and I won't go into it, but you wanna write, write this down, but verses 14 through 19 are one sentence. And, and uh, so when, um, it's important to know that when you get into Greek, and especially here, that there, there's no punctuation, there's no commas, there's no period, and Paul writes these incredibly long sentences. So this sentence goes from verse 14 to, to verse 19, and so one of the challenges in this sentence is asking, does this go here, or does this go here, or is this because, because of this? And so uh, we won't go into it, but just so that you're aware that there's some of that, and uh, you might see some of that as we go. So what I'm going to do today is I'm gonna read verses 14 through verse 21, all the way through the end of the chapter, and then we'll come back and then we'll, we'll uh, talk through it. So verse 14, Paul says, for this reason, uh, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now my Bible says every family. How many of your Bibles say every family? Okay, how many of your Bibles say the whole family? The whole family, good, I like that translation better. My Bible says every family, we'll talk about that. Verse 16, derives its name, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. I know some of your Bibles will say steadfast, steadfastness, but I, I like grounded a little bit better. It's, it's, it's a little more clear. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge so that you'll be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen, amen. So a, a couple of things. <clears throat> First of all, he begins verse 14 and he says, for this reason. In essence, Paul is saying, listen, I've just given you a bunch of teaching, a bunch of doctrine, and he says, and so right now, I just need to stop and I need to pray for you because you really need to get this. And so he starts with, for this reason. But then he says in verse 14, he says, I bow my knees to the Father. In this case, Paul is bowing. In Jewish culture, they would stand and they would pray. Jesus looked up when he prayed, and here Paul is saying he's bowing. So um, this is just what he's doing here, but they prayed in a number of different postures. So that, that's what he says right, right here, but I wouldn't go too far with that. Then verse 15, we have this debate. And in my Bible, verse 15, it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. But other translations will say, there on your outline, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So again, some Bibles say every family and then other Bibles say whole family. I take the whole family translation as being more accurate, even though you can translate it either way, even though my translation says every family. And the reason for that is the theme of this book has been how we're all one in Christ, 
We're one family. We're part of God's household. So it, it, it appears that, that we're just, it's the whole family is what he's talking about. And, and you know, so, and, and I take it that way. So it's, it's right. So, <clears throat> no, I, I, it's, it's, it's a debate. It's not an angry debate. Nobody's unfriending each other on Facebook over this one. But, but so just, I'm just letting you know that it's there. But one thing I do find interesting in that little line there, and I'm going to read it from my translation. Um, he says, from whom every family, and I would say it needs to say the whole family, in heaven and, in my Bible, it would say on earth derives its name. And I like that on because the word epi is there in the original language. And uh, what's so interesting to me is that if it's the whole family, we notice that we are in heaven and we are on the earth. Some of us are in heaven and some of us are here on the earth. But did you notice it doesn't say under the earth? Because we're not there. God's family's not there. When your body might go under the earth, but you're not there. You're either on the earth or you're with him in heaven. And that's good news. So then he gets into the prayer. And uh, when, when you, you look at this prayer, some people will say it's one prayer request with four aspects. Others will say it's four different prayer requests. And I'm just gonna say four aspects of Paul's prayer. And, uh, but but, but it, it all goes together either way. So I'm gonna pick it up in verse 16. And he says, so that, or that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So the first part of Paul's prayer, and you wanna write this down, he's praying that we're strengthened by his spirit, you might say through his spirit, in our inner man, inner being, inner man. And if this happens, everything else is going to fall into place. So the main prayer, or the main intent of Paul's prayer is clear. He wants his readers strengthened by God's spirit, and we're gonna find that, that they might intimately know Christ and, and his love, his presence. And uh, if God grants this prayer, it's going to be by the riches of his glory. Verse 16, that he might grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Uh, the, the riches of his glory is a very common phrase in the New Testament. Paul uses it a number of times and he applies it to different situations. So uh, you can use it almost universally, but what you find is the word glory encompasses what we might say uh, the whole of Christianity. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we go. We'll look at the definition in a few minutes. So here you have this, this request that we're strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner man. So when he prays that we're strengthened, uh, Paul is praying that we would receive God's power through God's spirit, and we would say on the, in the inner man. Now, in, when we get to chapter six, in chapter six, we're gonna talk about some things uh, which is gonna be praying in the spirit, all being done in the inner man, and we're gonna look at that as how the Ephesians would have understood that, and uh, we'll talk about that. But when you think about the inner man and the outer man, I love this verse, uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul says it like this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So let me ask you, is there anybody here who you look at your body, the years are going by, and you go, I am wasting away. <laughs> I'm the only one, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So a little, a little bit of a disclosure here. I turned 60 last year and um, I tell my wife, thank you. <laughs> I tell my wife, I say, baby, I ain't 60. I'm sexy because <laughs> I'm way too sexy for 60. So. <laughs> and she went, yeah, okay. So, so, but you know, I noticed that, you know, I, I feel like I'm 25, but I, I go to lift weights and, you know, the weights are a lot heavier than they used to be. And, and you know, I was in the army and the airborne and all of that. And I ran, I ran the Disney marathon in 1995. You know, I did that. And, um, and now if I run to the end of the street, it's a good day. <laughs> okay. So go ahead and write this down. Go ahead and write this down. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the life is evidence of salvation. Evidence of salvation. His Spirit has to be in us. But the power of the Spirit is enablement for the Christian, for Christian living. It's the empowering that we need in order to live this out. And this is the power that, that Paul wants for his readers. He wants them to have this. So Jesus would say it like this, but when you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And again, we'll talk about that more in chapter six. One commentator likens spiritual strength power to our physical strength. And uh, when, when you're strong, you can lift heavy things. So if somebody is trapped, you can step in and you can lift that off of them. Um, if you have strong arms and you're attacked, you can fight and you can win. And uh, if somebody is attacking somebody that you love, you can step in if you're strong and you can protect them. And if, you have, uh, if you're strong, your strength makes you safe. And if you're strong, you, you can endure and, and you can survive. You can survive if you're strong. So what would it mean if that would be the case physically, what would it mean to be strong or have strength in the inner man, in, in our spirit? Well, first of all, when he talks about this, he's not talking about you and I drawing this from our own resources. You know, the world says, look within you to the power that's within you. That's not what this is talking about. This is the power that comes from God to come inside of you for God to do something through you. Does that make sense? So it's, it's this power that he wants to give us. So this power that he has for us is not intrinsic. It comes from the outside. He, he gives it to us. So Paul has in mind this power that will come from the outside that will come to us. So when we get to chapter six and we talk about this power, Paul's going to say this, and I've put it on your outline. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So here what's being prayed for is something that comes to us from the outside that we might have it in the inner man and that power, Paul says, I'm praying this for you. So that prayer, that, that power is going to come through prayer and, and that's where we're going to receive that. Now, when he talks about this, what, what I would want to say to you is that this power that God has for us is not something that we can understand academically. It's something that we have to experience. 
So if you're like me and I went to Christian college, you know, Bible and all that, and um, then I went to seminary and I grew up in church, I've, I've met a lot of people who have a lot of letters behind their name. But when you talk with them, you realize that whatever this power is, is not operating in them. Because for them, it's this academic pursuit. Academics is important, but that's not where the power is. So you want to have both. You want to have both. And so just keep that in mind. So Paul says, I'm praying for you. So if you're strong in the inner man, then here, here's what this means. Just like if you were physical, it means that you'd have the capacity to lift burdens. So if somebody around you is struggling, you have the spiritual strength to step in and do something that will benefit them. If somebody that you love is being attacked in the spiritual realm, we would say you would be strong to be able to step in and able to fight off that foe on their behalf. If you're strong in the inner man, then you're going to have the faith to trust God and step out and take some steps. It's gonna change and you're gonna be not just a benefit for you, but that strength that you have is gonna be used in the lives of other people. And so Paul says, I'm praying that you have that. That's what you wanna have. Well, then Paul prays not just for strength, and power, that's, that's good. But he's gonna pray for spiritual depth. And you wanna write that down, spiritual depth. So verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Some of your Bibles will say something like steadfastness. I like the word rooted, but, but, but either way. But there's three words there. Um, dwell rooted, grounded. And so what does he want us rooted or grounded in? Well, there on your outline, I've put being rooted and grounded in love, but the word there for love is agape. Now, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you've heard this word. This is that deep love that God has for his people. It's the love that we have for him. It's more than just, you know, the, the love that we'd have for one another. This is that deep abiding love. And he says, I want you rooted and grounded in that love, that love that comes from God. And uh, one, one thing just very quickly, but um, as we have gone through this book, we have highlighted time and time again that a theme of this book is in him, in Christ, in Jesus, and the emphasis is us being in him. And, and yet here in verse 17, you notice he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. So here Paul switches it and goes from us being in him to him being in us. And so you wanna write down that the theme of Ephesians is in him, but here it's him in me, it's him in me. Christ, and that's the word that he uses here, Jesus, is already resident in the Ephesians. He's resident in them because they are believers. They're believers, so he is in them. But you notice that the word that he uses there in verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. He's already residing in them, but he's praying that they would have a deeper experience, uh, a, a deeper experience of him being in them. Now, the way that I would say it, it would be like this. If he is dwelling in us, then what we would say there on your outline, write this down, to dwell in me implies that he has to be comfortable in me. 
He might be residing in some people, but I don't know that it's always comfortable for him to reside in, in, in some. But Jesus' goal here, and Paul is praying, is that Jesus would be able to settle down in our hearts. He would be able to feel comfortable and dwell inside of us. Now, the, how I live my life will determine how comfortable Jesus is going to feel dwelling in me. How I, I live my life will determine how comfortable he feels dwelling in, in me. And so that's, that's a, a decision that we have to make. And the goal is to live our lives in such a way that he feels very comfortable, that he can dwell, settle down inside of us. Does that make sense? And Paul says, I'm praying that for you. That's what I want for you. And then he, he uses a couple of terms. He uses the term there in verse 17. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you be rooted and grounded in love. Now, rooted comes from the plant world. And uh, you, you envision a tree because that's what the, the word implies. But the, the tree has to have its roots go deep and in order to get the nourishment that it needs. But the deeper the roots go, will determine how high the tree can grow. And it's also going to determine the stability of the tree. The depth of the root determines the stability of the tree. So he says, I want you to have so much stability, I want you to be rooted in this. And, and then he uses the word grounded. Now, some of your Bibles will say it's slightly different, but I like grounded because it's an architectural term. And it implies the foundation, the foundation. So the idea is that this is what the whole house is built on. So the higher the building is going to be built, the deeper the foundation has to go. And it just, it just has to be that way. So, and, and we all get that. So I want you to write this down. It, whether it's rooted or grounded, I have to go deeper to go higher. I have to go deeper to go higher. And deeper will always manifest in my life when you think of rooted. Deeper always manifests that when the storm comes, um, there's stability, there's stability. So I, I grew up in Miami and um, in 1992, I was in Hurricane Andrew. How many of you were in Hurricane Andrew? Yes, and we all moved here the next week. <laughs> Enough of that. So, so it, where we lived in Miami, we were on the north side of town. So we got hit, we were without electricity for six weeks, but, but our house was there, the roof was there. But as, as it is with a, with a hurricane, what happens is that uh, the next morning when everything kind of dies down, everybody jumps in their cars to go see the damage. And, and I'll never forget, we went two streets over and there was this massive tree, massive tree, and it was leaning, but not completely over. But what struck me in that is that there was a Cadillac Eldorado in the tree. Now, how many of you are old enough to remember a Cadillac Eldorado? Yeah, it weighs what any good Sherman tank would weigh, basically. And somehow it was up in the tree. And, and what struck me is you could see that parts of the roots were coming up, but, but the, the, the tree wasn't uprooted. It, it was deep. And so it took a major hit, but it was still standing. The, the reason I, I want to say, these are great terms, but the reason I want to say this is because every one of us in our life are going to have a situation that's going to hit us. And what it's going to do is it's going to reveal how deep 
our roots are or how shallow our, our roots really were. And, uh, and, and for many, you know, you've gone through that and the tree is still standing, praise the Lord. And, and we know some people that the storm came and it just blew them over. There, there was no root. And Jesus said, you know, there's the one who builds on the firm foundation, the rock, and the storms come, and the storm is coming in every one of our lives. But when it comes, he says, the winds came, the rains descended, but it did not fall. But the one who built on the sand, when the storm came, you know, it was just blown away. So Paul says, I want you to have this power, but I want you to go deep into the agape love of Christ. And uh, again, that's not something that you and I will ever understand uh, academically. It's something that you have to understand experientially as you, as you go deeper. That makes sense? So verses 17 explains verse 16. He says, I'm strengthened by Christ dwelling in me. And uh, the indwelling and empowering are not separate things. They, they, they go together. And so if I'm gonna go stronger, I'm gonna have to go deeper. Now, verses 18 and 19, I put on your outline just because I wanna highlight some words that I think are important to, to understand, just to paint the picture. And he says that you may have strength to comprehend. Now, I like the word strength there. Some of your Bibles will say something different, but that's what the word actually means. Strength to comprehend, and I've underlined that, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know, and that word there is gnosko, gnosko. The love or agape, agape love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The agape love of Christ surpasses knowledge. And that word there is gnosis, slightly different, important though. That, that if you get this, that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. So when you see here, he says, that you comprehend and know that which surpasses knowledge. Some people see this as this uh, paradox here. How do, you, how do you do that? Well, um, actually, as we break it down, he wants us to know the agape love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And what I would want you to know, what Paul would want you to know, is that however much you think that the agape love that God has for you, it's far beyond your ability to wrap your mind around it. There is nothing he wouldn't do for you, nothing he wouldn't do for you. So he says that you might know the agape love of Christ. But this word to know is not information, it's gnosko, gnosko. And um, that word there on your outline means to know by experience, by experience or observation. And so it's not referring to having good information or facts, it's a knowledge based upon experience. So he wants you to experience this agape love of Christ, which will surpass. So when we talk about this, this knowledge is based upon uh, experience, probably the best way to describe this, we all know this story, the angel comes to Mary, says you're gonna be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and uh, Joseph wants to put her away, but then the angel appears to Joseph and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. But then what does it say? Well, there on your outline, it says, it says, and Joseph, and, and knew Gnosko her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So it's, it's not that Joseph didn't have 
It's not that he didn't know who Mary was. It's not that he didn't have good information about her. It's not that he didn't have facts, but this gnosko, he didn't know her. You and I would know that they were not intimately acquainted, we would say, until after Jesus was born. And so this is an experiential knowledge that God says, I I want for you to have in the agape love of Christ. But then he says, there on your outline, that little verse, he says, and to know, gnosko, the love of God, or the love, agape love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And that word knowledge there is gnosis. And I love how Vine says it, just that simply means knowledge. That's it. And uh, this here means information or facts. So he wants you to experience that, that deep love of Christ that's gonna go be beyond the information so write, write, write this down. Paul is praying that we experience gnosko, the agape love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, surpasses information and details. Now, the reason I, I say that is I can come up here every week and we can open the Bible and I can say this Greek word means this, this is this, and it applies to this and this and this. And that's all good. That's all good. But what he's talking about here is he wants you to have that deep experience of Christ's love for you. And you don't get that through academic pursuit. That's something that he wants to give you very personally. But again, and academics are great. I love it. But that's not where you get this from. So Paul says, I I want you to be strengthened. And I want you to go deep. And I want you to have this experiential knowledge of Christ that's going to far surpass just good information, but I want you to experience that. Well, when we experience that in that little passage there on your outline, he says the, and no gnosko, the love, agape love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, information, facts, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So when we experience that, when it says filled with all the fullness of God, that's the goal. That's the goal. Write that down. He wants you to get this so that you can have all of that. And, and he says, he says it's, that it's experienced by the, knowing the width and the length and the height and the depth, which is ever increasing. It's something that we can never exhaust. We, we keep growing in it. It's not like you get to the point and you go, I've got it. You, you never, it's, there, there's more, there's more. And it continues on. And then Paul comes to this last part of the passage and it's called, commonly referred to as the doxology. And uh, he closes with this, but, but keep in mind, Paul is saying here, look, if, if, if everything I've just told you is true, if this is true, then, then this, then, then this, then this. And that there on your outline, here's what he says. Now to him who is able, and that word there is dunamai, means power. So we get the English word dynamite from it. It's power. To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power, dunamis, we get the word dynamite from that word too, that worketh. And that, I love that word worketh is energio, active. It's activating, it's doing something. It's working in us, in you and me. Unto him be glory. The word glory there is the word doxa throughout your Bible from where we get the English word doxology. In the church by Christ Jesus through all, by Christ Jesus through all the ages, world without end, amen.
That's the Holy Spirit, I'll call him back. <laughs> I wasn't settled on that point. I thought he'd tell me earlier, but, but uh, we'll take it now. So, so here's the conclusion of everything that Paul says. It's the conclusion. If everything I've told you, then, then you need to know that what he has for you is so far beyond what you can imagine or think, which was very different than my church background because we talked about this, but, but it wasn't something that was real. It's like we were nice people. We went to church, you know, and we did nice things and, you know, but, but Paul says that there's so much more, so much more. Now, some suggest that the best way to grasp this, the greatness of this, this phrase, this doxology, is to look at it in its outline form. So when you look at it, you say, um, so now to him who is able to do all, above all, abundantly above all, exceedingly abundantly above all, what, what Paul is trying to drive home under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that this God that loves you, that, that wants to have a relationship with you, that wants to do great things in your life, he's got so much more, it goes beyond your ability to think or imagine or even ask. And, and that's what he wants for you. So, so write this down. God wants to give us his power to accomplish his purpose in our lives. And that power is above all Power. It goes beyond nice people who go to church. It's, it's above all that we could ask or think. So, so just as this agape love of Christ goes beyond our understanding, says the power that God has for you, it goes beyond your ability to wrap your mind around it. So very quickly, what cuts off that power? What cuts off that power if he wants that for us? Well, a couple of things. First of all, unbelief. Maybe you grew up in a church background like I did where we, when we talked about the power of God, it's like, yeah, 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 we get that, but nobody really believed it. And so you, it's this deep unbelief that you have that God would ever really wanna do something in you and through you to accomplish something that's beyond you know, what, what you might currently think. Um, ongoing sin. You know, sin has a way of just robbing the power out of our lives. A careless living, not, not taking these things serious. You know, whether it's our action or our attitude, all of these things can rob us of our power. And so we wanna, we wanna think of that. You know, if, is Jesus comfortable dwelling in me based upon how I'm living? Because when, when a Christian is robbed of power, what you find is they're not gonna really be effective for the Lord. It's just, you know, it's just we go to church and that's about all, all we have to offer. So... With this, Paul prays, I want that for you. And my prayer is, I want that for you, I want that for me. And that's how I want God to, to move in this church. When we get to chapter six, Paul's going to break that down and, and we'll see how the Ephesian church would have understood that. When we get there, for some of us, some of the things that we're going to share might be outside of our church box or denominational background, I would encourage you to at least consider, keep an open mind, even if on the other side you go, yeah, I don't really buy that, that's fine. At least you can understand why some people think the way that they think. But let me say this. If God has anything for you, this power that he's talking about, if he has this for you, here's what you can bet on. Satan's gonna do two things. One, he's gonna talk you out of it however he can. That's not for us, that's for them. Don't believe that, that's crazy. It's all of the devil. So that's, he'll, he'll do that. 
The second thing he'll do, if he can't talk you out of it, he'll, he'll make it as weird as he possibly can. So you'll look on and go, I do not want that, that's weird. So keep in mind, Satan will always distort the truth of God's word, which is why last week I said the whole concept of being saved through grace by faith uh, was not taught in the church for a thousand years. It didn't make it untrue, it just made it untaught because Satan didn't want you to know that you could be saved by his grace. He wanted you to think it's works, it's doing this, it's doing that, and, and you, 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 might, you might lose it. So he'll distort it if he can. But stick around and we'll talk about that when we get there. Did you find that interesting today? Good. Well, let's pray and we'll, we'll close from there. Father, thank you for this church, their love for you, their love for your word, the things of you, your spirit. Lord, give us an open mind. Help us to be who it is that you have called us to be in the way that you've called us. And, and we pray, God, for this power and we wanna experience that, that, that love of Christ that, that is beyond just information. It goes beyond and then, Lord, we want our roots to go deep into you, into your love for us. Keep us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.